Hello, my friends. This is Brian Q. Davis broadcasting from the Sales Warrior Podcast, a conversation about dominating your marketplace without sacrificing your body, your marriage, your children, or your soul. And today's topic is this, Against the Fall of Night, Part 2 of 2. Sit back and relax, and let's get started. So yesterday was Martin Luther King Day, and as part of this podcast, I decided that in honor of that man and what he did for our country, I played his I Have a Dream speech in its entirety in yesterday's podcast. And hopefully you got a chance to listen to that because if you've never listened to it just from an audio perspective, it's worth that experience. It's worth hearing this man speak his truth and the and hear energetically how he's speaking. Even if you just step back from it, from from step back from the message and just listened to what he was speaking and the way he was speaking it, that's all you would need energetically. But the point of today's podcast is to dive deeper into this idea of speaking truth, of bringing light into darkness, and the type of person that it takes to be able to do that and a story about my grandfather and what he did 58 years ago in a small town in North Louisiana. And I want to share this as a way of honoring my grandfather, Gordon Nelson, and the impact he had on me, but the impact that he had on so many. You see, in 1961, My grandfather was around 44 years old. He was the owner and operator and editor of a small newspaper in North Louisiana called the Cachada Citizen. It was the type of small town paper that we would look at today as being not worth a whole lot beyond just the church news. But in those days, that was the internet. The local community paper was the equivalent of the internet in 1961. And he had decided that that was going to be their family's business. He had, he had graduated with a degree in journalism from Louisiana State University with my grandmother, and they moved back to her, her hometown in North Louisiana and uh, eventually took over the paper. And had been operating it for about 10 years when they found themselves in the midst of a country that was starting to smolder and soon to become ablaze with the fire of the civil rights movement and the conflict that was happening as a result. You see, what had happened just prior to February 23rd, 1961, which was the date he published an editorial entitled Against the Fall of Night, which I will share with you here in just a second. What had happened in the days just prior to that is that as a result of the political forces coming through the country and Martin Luther King and other places starting to organize 
the feelings and thoughts and spirit that had been buried for a long time. As a result of that, there were other forces that sought to keep things the status quo. Even to the extent where they were willing to put hoods on their heads and burn crosses. As a way of trying to keep things as they were. Even leading to trying to recruit members for the Ku Klux Klan on our on the front street in downtown Cachada and holding what was called a clavern at a local lake as a way to show their stance on where they stood relative to relative to the conversation around racial equality. And it was in the following days and the night before that my grandfather felt, found himself in a place very, very alone. Alone with his own conscience, alone with his own knowledge that he had capacity and capability to do something where others didn't alone with the fear of the repercussions to his reputation, to his family, to his business, to his own physical safety. And yet faced with a moment where he had to make a decision a decision whether to speak what was in his heart or to keep silent. He often told me about in the course of writing how it was often good just to sleep on it and wake up in the morning and then write it whenever you had something that was stirring. Or if I was working on a paper or a project, he said, just sleep on it and when you wake up, just, just write it then. The one specific example he had always given was what he did the night before he wrote this editorial. He said he was up all night and then he finally just, he, could, he couldn't sleep, he couldn't sleep, he couldn't sleep, finally just quit trying to write the editorial and went to bed and then the next morning just wrote it and then he did something very important. He published it. And he published this knowing that there would be a reaction, but without the knowledge of what that reaction might be. He just knew that he knew a truth and that he needed to speak out because no one else was. This is around four years before Martin Luther King ever had his I'll have a, I have a dream speech. This is in the earlier days of the movement. And where my grandfather found himself was in a place where, where the other big newspapers wouldn't speak out about what was going on, wouldn't report it. He decided to say something.
and I'll read you his editorial called Against the Fall of Night, published in the Cachada Citizen, February 23rd, 1961. And I want to share this with you to one, honor it, and let you see how the truth that's within this editorial still holds true today. And understand that there were repercussions to this. My parents remembered, I mean, my mom remembered crosses being burned in the yard. Um, There were shotgun blasts that happened at night at the newspaper. The funny thing was, is that these were all people that were his neighbors. And he knew. And he thought for sure they wouldn't hurt his family, but he didn't really know. But it all started with this editorial. And I'll read it to you right now. Last Wednesday night, Ku Klux Klansmen from, the Shre- from Shreveport to Cachada came to Shreveport to Cachada for the stated purpose of one, proving the Klan was active again, and two, presenting a charter to a clavering just formed in Red River Parish. In a setting of bonfires and burning crosses, some 200 white-robed Klansmen from all over the Arklatex openly wearing pistols and performed for the TV and reporters from the Shreveport news media. The citizen was not invited. Since the Klan saw fit to invade Red River Parish, and since an estimated 25 or 30 of these people were from our parish, we have a few things to say on the matter. First, to the 100-year-old Klan, and second, to our 20 to 30 neighbors who were initiated last week. Part 1. The Ku Klux Klan. The writer of this editorial was raised in Mississippi and is no stranger to the shenanigans of Klansmen. The Klan is an anti-Negro, anti-Catholic, and anti-Jew organization. Its members operate from behind masks and in the shadow of darkness. Their only strength lies in secrecy and the anonymity of its members. Their weapon? Intimidation. The Klan modus operandi precludes that there be an aura of hate, frustration, and high emotion among members and among persons living in the area. It purports to be a representative law and order in areas where there's a vacuum, that has been created by the absence of law and order. With the, with the affrontery of the egomaniac, the Klan sets itself up as judge, jury, and executioner. In this respect, it is a brother to the black-handed mafia and such other terror, terror organizations. Historically, the Klan has always begun its activities with the promise, even to itself, that its job is to, quote, to make a few people do right. This is a dodge. As each breach of human rights is met by an indifferent public, the Klan flexes its muscles. Then, one day, in fear, night falls on civilized, lawful society. It is a a subversive group, so labeled by the FBI. It operates completely outside the law, and its crimes have varied from minor infringements on people's individual rights to bloody murder. A case in point was the medieval-like breaking on the wheel and the decapitation of men at the Mer Rouge incident in the 20s. The Klan symbols are the sword, the Bible, the red crosses, a robed horseman riding into a bloody sky, and the words yesterday, today, and forever, proving that there's no fanatic like one wrapped in a flag unless it's one wrapped in a flag and a religious symbol. 
In Red River, at the moment, there is some tentative probing by a few Klansmen out to recruit a few members. They are having a lean time of it because they don't have anything to sell. There is not as much racial or religious bigotry as the Klan once thought. A moral, reasoning person wouldn't be caught dead associating with an organization like the Klan, and most people are moral. Protestant ministers are incensed that, by indirection, the Klan associates itself with Protestantism. No Protestant religion would claim the group or sanction of any of its activities. They wouldn't give them the time of day. The Klan would like to believe that anyone against Klansmen is, per se, against segregation. Well, we've got a newsflash for the Klan. Everyone around here, including Negroes, are for segregation. Several years ago, when the NAACP made a foray into the Red River and signed up unsuspecting Negroes, the citizen published the names, and there was a mad rush, mostly by white people, to have those names of their Negro friends scratched from, their, from the unpopular list. There is no hate of Negroes here in Red River. We still have some leading citizens who joined the Klan in the 20s. All deny that they made more than one or two meetings. And the most they can say in favor of the Klan even these days is, well, I guess it did a little good, I guess. Not one of them would join now because there's just too much emotion. We have law. In Red River Parish, we have no vacuum for the Klan to fill. We have our incidents like any other community, the, flat, the clash between the few white and black youths that, and the foolishness at the Armstead service station. The former was handled effectively by the arrest of the principals and a, and a 11 p.m. curfew by the town government and the police jury. The principals and the latter were swiftly brought to justice. We're, we're not ecstatic with joy always over the actions of our judges, DA, sheriff, and marshals, but we're pretty well pleased with them, and they'll serve until something better than the Klan comes along. As to the argument that federal judges knock down state segregation lines during the, their coffee break, just what does the Klan think it can do about this in Red River Parish? We aren't pleased either with the federal courts in killing the law, making it mandatory that organizations file for their membership with the Secretary of State. Also, acting as a midwife to the Phoenix-like Klan, giving it the secrecy and anonymity it must have. Finally, one determines at a time like this whether he wants to live under a government of law with all its imperfections or a government of men, which is anarchy and chaos. Public opinion has already crystallized on this matter. It says to our friends that are Klan members, quit this madness that is beneath your dignity as men. The active Klan will most surely create an incident where reason for none exists. It says to the Klan, get the hell out of Red River Parish. You've got no job to do here. Gordon Nelson, Editor-in-Chief, Owner, Cachata Citizen, February 23rd, 1961. So, as you hear that nearly 60 years later, you get a feel for the level of intensity that was happening back then. And how everything wasn't yet sorted out. I mean, there's still things that needed to be figured out and were figured out in the next 58 years. And we're still figuring out. But that editorial caught fire and was republished hundreds of times across the South in that year. The FBI ultimately became involved in Red River Parish, was deployed there. And ultimately, once the FBI got involved and started knocking on doors, 
those neighbors who were neighbors of my grandfather and my family and my my family decided that it wasn't really worth it and within a few months the clan had disbanded and while things weren't necessarily back to normal there was a huge amount of fear that was removed from the community and my grandfather was remembered for years after this for being the one that started it the citizen won the louisiana press association's first place award for freedom of information over several years a national second place and an informal honorable mention for the pulitzer for the for the pulitzer for its efforts to expose the secretive activities of the clan this is a big slice of history personal history but i'm sharing it around the theme of speaking light into darkness because i'd have you ask the question there is something in you right now there is some truth in you right now whether it be truth about yourself truth about your family truth about the world as you see it there's some truth that you know in your in your soul in your heart that needs to be spoken and yet you're not because of fear uncertainty doubt of what people might think who might hate you and what you might lose my grandfather had nobody egging him on to do this he did this entirely entirely out of just it was the right thing to do and the certainty that that created in him gave him the certainty to speak out again and again and again because this was not the end of it he didn't publish this one time it was published all over the south but he continued to speak out against the organization over the coming months he continued to call out corrupt political officials and publicly elected officials who were in cahoots with the clan and he used the power of the press and of the written word and of his voice to shine a light of truth into darkness ignorance and hate and throw one more ember one more torch on the fire of freedom that was starting to burn in the united states at that time and so i would ask you the question where right now in your life do you have a truth that is buried inside you where right now do you have a truth that you need to face in your physical being where right now do you have a truth that you need to face with your creator where right now do you have a truth that you need to face with your wife or husband or your family or in your business a truth that you know that you're not speaking and and have you considered that it is worth taking the leap 
I did not publish this podcast for almost a year out of the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and the voice saying, who are you to publish a podcast? But I've gotten direct feedback from all of you listeners, or many of you listeners, that have said, hey, this podcast podcast has helped me. This podcast forced me to ask some questions. This podcast created a conversation that led to change. And so the way my grandfather was able to finally make the leap was the minute he quit thinking about what might happen to him and started thinking about what would possibly happen to those in the community that was being impressed at that time. And the way I finally got over my fear of publishing this podcast was thinking about there's some guy on an airplane somewhere that's five days into a business trip, disconnected from his family, disconnected from his wife, feeling weak in his body and overweight. And while he's chasing down a number, unsure about what the future might hold if he stays in the current set of patterns and behaviors. And I thought, if I can reach that guy and let him know there's a better way and me and others have found it and we want to share it, then that's what will be worth it to publish this podcast. So I'd have you consider that every single one of you that's listening right now has something, some truth inside of you, something. And if you give yourself the space right now, if you give yourself the space right now to let it rise from your heart, you'll know what it is. Write it down. Make a note. What is your truth? What is a truth? And dive into the act of creation of bringing it to life by speaking it to one other person or to a thousand people. And from there, let providence do its work because it rewards those who act and those who bring truth and light into darkness. That's what I got for you today, my friends. This is Brian Q. Davis signing off from the Sales Warrior Podcast, a conversation about dominating your marketplace without sacrificing your body, your marriage, your children, or your soul. Thank you so much for listening. More to come.